to another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me as always is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, Chris? I'm doing very well, Jody. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good, too. Just Yeah? Scooting you skiing along this morning? I did. It was brutally cold, and I don't know why you just asked me that question. I only went for a couple of runs because it was like, ouch, cold. So I left immediately. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. You can't win them all. After all, where would you put them? <laughs> you were doing a little bit of a singy thing there for the intro today, a little bit more harmonic than usual, perhaps. But let me ask you a question, Jody. All right. When you are choosing a mic for vocals, mm -hmm. what's your thought process that goes into that? For myself or for someone else? Let's start with you and with then we'll me. do the someone else. Yeah. Because the topic today, I was trying to be sly here and make I know it seamless. I, know but, you know. I knew where you were going. <laughs> I know that. That's not the issue. The issue is I have to run through the mindset. And initially, when I first got into this business of recording for one and two, being a musician, actually, I was a musician first before I got into the recording end of it. I never really gave it a whole lot of thought about what mic I would use. I didn't originally think I was going to end up being a singer, to put it mildly. So while I was attending music school, I had one microphone. That was an SM57 Beta. I still have it. In fact, it's just right up there on the shelf. <laughs> I can still see it. And I use it from time to time still. It's been an awesome mic for the entire duration of all the years that I've owned it. It was when I was living with an infamous rock singer that I got the chance to get another microphone. And that ended up being the beginning of my first musical endorsement, which was with GrooveTubes. Mm. And that microphone that I got with that endorsement was an MD1A, and I still have that. I didn't give it much thought, but I used that mic quite a bit. And Jeff also got one the same time when I got one. When I recorded my first quote-unquote album, I used the two of them in a miking situation when it came to everything. Because <laughs> yeah. he let me use his, and I would let him use mine if he needed it. And I didn't give it much thought. So I did that entire first album essentially on those two mics of the MD1As and then the Shure SM57 Beta that I still have as well. I didn't sing through the 57 Beta, but I used it on other things in addition to the MD1A. Once I got through the MD1A phase and I started thinking about the next phase of where I was going to get microphones, it was fortunate for me that I had a Sennheiser endorsement. And the primary reason behind that endorsement had more to do with their headphones and their wireless setups. Yeah, because you were doing a lot of live stuff. I was doing a lot of live yeah. stuff, and I wanted to have different quality from the standard thing. The thing I enjoyed about their wireless systems is they were made with metal, and I believe they still are because I haven't updated in a while. To me, metal's a much more durable product than most plastics. <laughs> I think that's a fair assumption, yes. <laughs> Plus, they had a lot more channels in case there was crosstalk, so you could always mess with stuff like that. I don't think it's the same problem today as it was back when I was doing a lot more live things. I got to a point where I was about to start recording an album called Practical Insanity, and at that point, I realized I really need to rethink how I'm approaching recording my voice with microphones. Okay. I decided I would do a mic shootout is what they tend to call them. Right. And a buddy of mine owned a studio in LA and he had a pretty awesome mic locker. 
he set up for me as a favor about eight different mics. And then I brought a couple that GrooveTubes wanted me to try out as well that had various cost functions to them. Right. Do you remember what the mics were that he had set up? There was a 414. There was a U87. There was, I think, a TLM 103. Okay, Those are the ones that I remember the most. I also right. had brought a GrooveTubes MD1A that I had. I brought another GrooveTubes mic that was supposed to be similar-esque to the U87-ish, and it was a cheaper version. The MD1A was a much more expensive mic at that point in time. They don't even make it anymore. Actually, I don't know if any of the GrooveTubes mics are made anymore. So there were a bunch of mics set up, and I don't remember exactly every single one of them, but those were the ones that I do remember. And then I stood in his room and we recorded me singing the same phrase over and over in each microphone from the same distance, same right. everything, so yeah. that everything would be as apples identical to as apples, apples so to apples yeah. so we could hear what it was with just a mic pre off his board. I, there was no additional mic pre, like some special unit of some sort and no EQ. When it came down to doing the listen back, to listening to everything, for my voice... It came down to the U87 and this cheap GrooveTubes mic. <laughs> That's interesting, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's extremely interesting. Yeah. And after doing the shootout between all those mics and then going back and forth between the two of those, where the biggest difference was, was in the high end. And it came out that the GrooveTubes mic, while sounding really good on my voice, was slightly brittle on the high end for my voice. Whereas the U87 still felt quite smooth in the high end for it. And I ended up going back to Sennheiser and going, I'd like to get a Neumann U87, please. And that's the one I ended up using for quite a while. And I used that on the Practical Insanity album and a couple of other things. A couple of years later, I'm involved in a charity thing. I get hooked up with Telefunken and I get a C12. Yeah. And then I put the C12 up against the U87 and I sing through the two of those in my own little personal shootout. And I realized that the C12 fits my voice even more perfect than the U87 does. I stick with the C12. Right. And that's how I got to the point of owning a C12 in my arsenal. That doesn't mean that at some point I don't want to own other mics because it goes beyond just knowing what mic fits your voice best. It also should Definitely. include like, the fact that what fits the song along with your voice, in my mind. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there, I think. Uh, <laughs> well, it's an insane amount. It's a long story. Sorry. Yeah, but but it's... I think it's a, a common one. And the first thing is like when we're thinking about, you know, we're choosing a mic, the way you went about it first, like, well, this is the mic I have. It so was. this is the That's one I'm using, right? Yeah. So, and I didn't and give it two, I didn't give it even two shits a thought is the right. better, is the bad way of saying it. Yeah, things can always be better. But at the same time, I, I don't think for all intents and purposes, if you're just getting into recording, just use the gear that you have, right? And sure. don't hold it back until like, well, I got to wait until I can afford this really expensive, fancy mic, right? Mm -hmm. No, just go with what you have and learn during the, during the path of, of just doing, right? And you see what works and what doesn't. 
another thing that obviously we should touch on there that um, you did all this shootout with the mics. Yes. Just to find what was working for you. Because that's a big thing. We assume that a more expensive mic is always going to be the right choice. Right. Right. And that's and not always the case. Not always the case. Right. If we have that process that we can do, and I think, you know, a lot of places will probably come and let you do that. I know Vintage King here in LA, they have a room just mm -hmm. set up just for that. Right. Where there's large amount of mics that you can go in and try out. Because if you're making a, substantial investment on one of these as, as they can be, right? right? They don't have to be, but the higher end are. Let, let me, can I interject about substantial in investment real quick? Yes. I had the fortune due to the GrooveTubes endorsement to go and hang out at the factory from time to time. And Aspen and I got along really well before he passed away. At one point, he was developing the Vipri mic pre. Mm-hmm. And he had me come down to the factory to check it out for one. And two, he had an RCA ribbon mic set up. Okay. Now, if there's a mic that's going to fit my voice better than a C12, it's the mm -hmm. RCA ribbon mic that he had me sing through okay. to try out. The unfortunate reality is, is those mics are ridiculously expensive. There's no way in hell I could afford that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a $30,000 mic or more because they don't really exist. And to have one in good shape like he did, you're, you're talking to an old timer like Aspen when he was around. Yeah, there might be a limit to the expense that you can do to get the yeah, right mic for your voice. If, you're, if you really need the more expensive one to really get that perfect character. But yeah. I'm happy with the C12 in that regard. But the C12 is still a ridiculously expensive mic. Yeah. If you're the guy, you're getting your studio together, you have to go with whatever is feasible for you. In your budget, you know, and yes. then Right. But it doesn't matter. I mean, even if you start out with just like a handheld 58 or something, you know, mm -hmm. go with that. But that might not be the best choice down the road, depending on what you're doing, right? Sure. You mentioned your 57 there as well as you started. And I think every guitar player ever, that's the first mic that they buy because that's what tends to go in front of a guitar cab. Yeah, well, but, I would say the 57 for sure. But the 57 beta, maybe not so much. There's a difference between the two. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to go with 57 anyway. So Yeah, no, you <laughs> but, should. But, and but I'm just saying it, the but, distinction is mine's a 57 beta. But what is the actual difference there? I don't know. The capsule is different. The head is different. It's a little bit larger in diameter. It's not the same as the slenderness of the 57. The beta hmm. has a different, bigger capsule, I think. Well, look at that. I've learned yet another thing about you. And so, yeah. <laughs> well, the um, other thing that's different, too, is the color. The 57 is black, and the 57 beta is like a steel blue. Boo. <laughs> black. you got to have the black. Yeah. But obviously, different construction of a mic here, but we're talking about, you know, the difference between like a dynamic or a condenser kind of mic. Yes. Some of these higher-end vocal mics, or not necessarily higher-end, but, but generally. Is there... An occasion where you might favor going for a dynamic mic as opposed to a condenser on, on a singer. Power. Mm -hmm. The amount of power that a vocalist will exude will 
often be the determinant factor on that one. Yeah. Especially with condenser mics are not going to react the same in that regard. And that's where the Vipery really comes in kind of cool, but we're not talking about preamps right now. We're talking about Yeah, let's not muddy the waters anymore, right? The more powerful the singer, the further back from the condenser or even possibly ribbon mic they have to stand in order to not blow the shit out of that thing. Right. And cause intense distortion and other problems. If you blow into a ribbon mic too hard, you're going to actually break the damn thing. Right. (laughs) So in that regard, that's where a dynamic mic is going to become much more handy for you. Yeah. So if you're doing something where it's more of an aggressive style of of singing, let's say that you're doing something really kind of hardcore, you know, going with a dynamic mic, even like a handheld 58 or something, Uh might be a better choice because you're going to blow out these mics along the way. (laughs) Right. So, and even having those sonic qualities, right, that you might be looking for in that case. So, And thinking uh, of sonic qualities, let's take a word from our sponsors. And we're back. We're going to continue on with a little bit of story time from Chris talking about a couple of vocalists <laughs> yeah. that know their voices and what they should be using in the studio. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. There's, uh, well, I just recently watched the uh, documentary about the life of Ronnie James Dio. And there's Famous a metal fun- singer for those that don't know. Right. Rainbow Dio, Black Sabbath, Heaven and Hell, all those illustrious career. There's a funny part in that where Jack Black is describing how he had Ronnie come in and do some vocals for the movie, like the Pick of Destiny or whatever. Tenacious D. Yeah, exactly. And Ronnie brings in his own mic, sort of being the gracious guy that he is. They go, no, we're we're all good. We got mics here set up for that. And he's like, yeah, okay, yeah, not a problem. We'll, We'll do that. And to make a, a long story a little bit shorter, he ends up blowing up every mic that they put in front of him because <laughs> his voice is so powerful. Right. And that's when he, you know, can see like, yeah, that's why I bring my own mic because this works. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't actually do that. I have another story that just came to mind, and I don't remember who the presenter was. It might have been uh, an engineer called Peter McKeon. He was talking about Andy Johns, how he was relatively fresh in the industry at this point, he's recording super loud, distorted guitars, and he wanted to isolate the cabinet. So he said, ooh, there's plenty of space in the mic locker. So he actually put the cabinet in in the mic locker and in the process blew out, I don't know how many microphones because of just the level that was in there. So What? <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's, uh I think that's funny. I, I hope Oops. the story is true because Hopefully it should they were be. Insured. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that's a funny story. So you gotta be a little careful with this. So if somebody has like a really, really powerful voice or you're in the locker room, don't put your cabinet in there because you you're gonna blow out a lot of mics. Right? All so, at once, yes. Right. Do you know what kind of mic Ronnie James Dio was singing through? I have done a little bit of research here and I can't say Definite, but I think it was a Neumann TLM 170. Okay. 170R, I think, because it had 10 dB pad on it. Mm. And was that, and supposedly this had been like tweaked for him as well, just because of that power. So that, so generally speaking, that might be a fairly costly mic because they're relatively more expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, 
it's not a hundred dollar mic. Right. You know and if I mean? we go so, the opposite spectrum, infamously, Bono from U2 is yeah. known to record his vocals in the studio through an SM58. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get much cheaper than that. It's only like about what, a hundred, hundred and fifty bucks for those things? Yeah, tops, right? Yeah. It, that fits his voice. It fits the right. style of what they're doing. Thus, the idea that you don't always have to have the most expensive mic to automatically get the best vocal sound. Right. I mean, and even still, it's like if you're looking for that sound and that's just out of your budget, you just can't invest in that. You can actually rent mics. Yes, it is now, this possible is a little, to rent mics. And it's probably yeah. not as easy in a small town right. to do, but you could do it in the bigger music cities for sure. Right. That's another route to go. If you like, I really, really like to try this mic and I want to use it on our next album, whatever's coming up, and see if you can rent one. It's yeah. a cost-effective way to go about it and you can still have it. And you don't have to sell a kidney to, to get it. So <laughs> that's another way to go. But there's another way now as well with the wonderful use of technology, right? Yes. And Mic emulations, have, baby. Yeah, Absolutely. You're actually so, using one right now for every episode we've done on right. this podcast. You've used one. Yes, I have the Slate ML1. I was never one to record a whole bunch of vocalists. Mm -hmm. I, I have, of course, and you know they've generally had their favorite mic that they would like to use. So I've always kind of gone along with that. But I thought this was a really, really good way to broaden what I had. I have a handful of mics that are. Nothing super exciting. This technology I thought was really, really cool. This is something I use not just obviously for podcasting, but when I do vocal sessions and things now, I use it as well beyond the scope of, of today's podcast, but for acoustic guitars and that type of thing uh -huh. as well. But it is a really, really cost-effective way to get a lot of the same coloration that you can. I've been greedy, so I bought just about every expansion pack Look that's at available you. for it as well. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great way to go around it as well. So now I'm, that you have all these emulations, let me yeah. butt in here, mm -hmm. and you're going to go and record a vocalist. Yeah. Or they're going to come to you and record, is a better yep. way of saying it. How would you go about picking the right mic for their voice now, other than just their choice? Well, it's super simple now mm -hmm. because it, it's just, you know, you record through the mic and on the plugin you can just choose right you can just choose okay now th let's try this mic let's try this mic it's physically obviously the same mic but in the software you're, you're changing the characteristics of it being a c12 or whatever i happen to choose right right do you do that so, with the vocalist in question yeah and yeah, see if I would they're going to be happy with it and want to sing through it the whole time or you just have them sing through whatever choice they want and then you Switch it later without them knowing. Um, <laughs> maybe a little bit of both. Oh, yeah. Now, I mean, the first thing is that having them sing through something that they feel inspired to sing through. That's always like, a great. Thing. That's, yeah. yeah. So you do that. Now, the only time I would change that, mm -hmm. come mix down or something, would be if it just doesn't work. If it needs to have a slightly different character. Sure. You know. No, it's just finding something that they feel comfortable singing through, you know, we can talk through that and see, well, I think this might be a better choice. See, we think of this and right. you work it out because it's all about that inspiration, right? Mm -hmm. 
So I think it's a great way to get into that in the technology that we have today as well with that is, I mean, fantastic. It's not just the Slate though, right? I mean, because UA have that. They do. Well, now, well Slate has two. They have the ML1, the ML2. Yeah. Then Universal Audio had originally started with Townsend Labs with the Sphere L22, which is still available. But that's Fairly. not a modeling mic, is it? That that's just their mic, isn't it's, it? It's well, it's a mic that was meant to change the sound based on whatever you ran through the plugin. So it is a modeling mic. Oh, the L twenty two. Yeah, it started that way. Universal Audio has recently released two more mics, the LX and the DLX, to yeah. complement the whole series that I guess they're continuing on down the path of these modeling microphones. So it's possible with those two companies to get a plethora of mics. There's another one that's pretty big in the modeling mic genre, and that is Antelope Audio. And they have two different series. They have the Axino, which is just one mic choice there, and it's a USB mic that can model other mics. So you can plug it in USB-wise. Don't even need a mic pre for that, which is kind of handy. That's really cool. I mean, if you're, again, beyond the scope of today's podcast, but it's like if you're doing field recording and that kind of stuff. Sure. You don't need to run around with a whole bunch of different extra gear. You could just go with a laptop and the mic. Right. Now they also have another group of mics called Edge. So there's a bunch of different Edge mics that also do modeling as well. Each one of these companies has their own proprietary plugins that you're going to be using. And prior to the advent of these mics that were done this way, GrooveTubes, I think, was the, I don't know if they were the very first company, but it's the first one that comes to my mind. And obviously, based on the story of what we started with up top, they had a plugin that allowed you to choose the mic that you already recorded through, and then you choose the mic you wanted it to sound like. And they had, it was a very early plugin. It was rudimentary. You knew what you recorded through, and then you changed the character with what you put on the back end of this plugin. So you could kind of emulate different mic sounds based on whatever curve they were doing with the math of whatever that plugin did. But wasn't that, was that in conjunction with Antares? Because I seem to remember possibly Antares having a very Group similar Tubes thing. GrooveTubes was not a software company, so they had somebody right. else that actually made it, and it probably was Antares. Yeah, and I remember that because it was a little bit of a joke at the time because processing power and all this technology was not there yet. But the the idea that, yeah, I'm singing through my SM57 and I want it to sound like like U87. Yeah, right. It's not going to be real. change the setting. Yeah. Right. So, But they were trying to go that route and that was the idea back then. Mic emulations have certainly come a very, very long way since those days. And they do a very good job. Now, the caveat to that is, is that the Slate C12 is not going to sound like the UA C12 or the Antelope C12. And the reason for that is they're modeled from different versions of the C12. If everybody used the same C12 to do their modeling, well, then they'd probably all sound pretty much identical. But because each mic has its own slightly off characteristics, comparatively speaking to others in the same genre, they're going to be slightly different. But that doesn't excuse the fact or it doesn't change the fact that you get a plethora of mics that you can now see which mic sound sounds best on your vocalist. Yeah. Yeah. And really ties the song in like a 
latex glove. <laughs> yeah, because I think that that's the last thing I think we should kind of close on there. It's like there is the idea, obviously, of getting a really glorious sound of the vocalist. Yeah. Uh, that That's good for that. But also dependent on the song, mm-hmm. right? So if it's... Adele would probably sound fantastic singing through a garden hose. You know? <laughs> but but if she's doing like a ballady type of a thing, there might be one choice for a microphone. But if she was going to do something more of a, say, more of a, a modern pop thing, there might be a different choice. Right. right? So it's it's uh, those little things as well. So I concur with that. Statement. Mic models, I'm, I'm good. And just so people get an idea of what these modeling mics are like, we're going to throw up some examples of what different mic models sound like on the page for this episode at the website. If you have further questions about choosing a vocal mic, maybe you should send Chris and I a message and we'll do yet another episode on additional thoughts to it. But that's how we're going about the way we chose our microphones and how we choose them for artists that we are recording. And with that, we're going to move on to our Friday Finds. Chris, what have you got this week? I've chosen something this week that is normally... A you choice is something that you go with, but because <laughs> it's actually a universal audio. Yes, that they are going more and more native. You're a big UA guy. You sing their praises. They are now doing native plugins. You don't need to have their hardware anymore, and you don't even need to have a subscription to their Spark. Although you told me that it works through that same sort of engine type of a thing. It's I think called it was UA really, Connect. Yeah, right. I think it was really exciting that you can get UA plugins now native without owning the hardware. Not that there's anything wrong with their hardware because it absolutely isn't. But when you're moving away from having to be proprietary, I think that's a really, really cool thing. So that UA are going native with a bunch of their plugins has to be my Friday find. Woohoo! Yeah. And what about you? I'm going with something from line six and I'm going with another plugin for a guitar amp simulation called Metallurgy. I'm listening. You're listening. I opened it up the other night as I'm tracking a song. And while it is not thrash, it is not doom, it is not metal, I needed something with some good crunch that was still legible in the low end for this particular track. So I pop open Metallurgy and start playing through it for a couple of hours before I start tracking this thing. And I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) This interface is actually quite nice in comparison to the Helix. And to top it off, the guitar sounds it gets are actually really usable. And so I actually texted you. I texted a couple of other buddies who knew that I had gotten Metallurgy some months ago. And they were saying, send us a video of you playing with it. And I never did because I had not opened it. I finally opened it the other day. (laughs) There you go. Very happy with it. So my choice this week is Metallurgy from line six. Very cool. Ah, yes. While we've got your attention, we ask that you go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and sign up for our mailing list. Doing so will get you weekly reminders about the Tuesday tips when they come out, and we'll make sure you don't miss any future episodes of this awesome podcast. Send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at InsideTheRecordingStudio.com with the phrase, Mike Me. 
and we'll send you something cool back in your inbox. If you have a topic or suggestion for Chris and I to explain in a future episode, contact us at the contact page and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode. With that, I'll say see you next week. I'll talk to you later, Jody. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.